0: This impactful conversation is brought to you by Say Things Better, a method of intentional communication developed by Laila Smith. I met Laila on LinkedIn and we immediately connected due to her open heart and wisdom. She helps entrepreneurs and thought leaders to make impactful choices for their communication. The Say Things Better messaging framework is the way she managed to build her own following of over 25,000 fans. Follow Say Things Better on LinkedIn and connect to Laila through her website at saythingsbetter.com. Welcome to Impact by Choice podcast. I'm your host, Andrada Anitzi, and we are here to find out how regular people with great ideas make an impact on the world around them. The story for today's podcast is a bit funny and serious at the same time, because the guest that I'm about to introduce to you is someone that has impacted my presence on LinkedIn through a really funny, yet very suggestive message for the world so it was around christmas time and my guest posted a video about his origins and about the misconception of how certain people around the world do not celebrate christmas if they have a different religion Um, or not necessarily to celebrate but at least to accept you know uh, christmas as being there so for today let me please first Um, greet my guest, Ahmed Imam. Did I see your name correctly now?
1: You did. Well done.
0: (laughs) Welcome. Thank you for being my guest. It's a pleasure to
1: be here. No, thank you for having me. And I'm also a a very big fan.
0: Thank you. (laughs) That's a a great compliment. So Ahmed, tell us a bit, please, about yourself. um, For the people who never got a chance to know you until today, And then I want us to jump into some other funny and serious stuff together.
1: Sure. Sounds good. Um, So professionally, I am a property investment strategist. Uh, So I help people uh, build their property portfolios um, and and help them develop a level of financial independence. Um, I am a father. Um, I am a husband. Um, I've got two beautiful daughters. Uh, I have a 15-year-old stepdaughter and a a three-year-old daughter who's incredibly cheeky. <laughs> I, th- I, think they, I think they call them th- three-nagers mm-hmm. at, this, at this age. <laughs> um, I am a diversity champion, um, and it's something that's, uh, that I'm sure we can talk about today. And I'm also an advocate for kindness. I love kindness. I love the concept of kindness. I love being kind and, and receiving kindness. Um, but I hope we can talk about a few things today. So I'm looking forward to it.
0: Sure, and we can definitely start with diversity because your concept of diversity champion is um, you know, is actually pinpointing something that's very, very dear to me. So tell us a bit about how you see diversity and why are you a diversity champion?
1: Um, well, I actually posted a video on LinkedIn probably about six or seven months ago and I spoke, about, um, I spoke about the impacts of, of diversity or lack of diversity on, on me. And the title of the video was actually, um, Why Don't Recruiters Like My Name? And <laughs> in, that, in that video, I spoke about a very real story that happened to me about six years ago. Mm-hmm. And it was one where I was in between jobs and I was, I was actually in between careers. And I remember being online and, and sending out my resume to about twenty or thirty different recruiters mm-hmm. and I actually got rejected by every single one um, and I was actually, I was applying for jobs that were you know very much within um, my reach you know they were very much within my skill set so I thought I thought it was all a bit strange that I got rejected by every single one um anyway i got I got disheartened um, and actually spoke to a few friends about it and I decided to run a bit of an experiment and and what I did was I got my resume and I changed the name at the top of the resume from my name, Ahmed Imam, to the most anglicized name that I could think of and that was Adam Smith mm-hmm. and, and I sent out the resume to the exact same 20 to 30 recruiters that I sent it to previously for the same jobs and something very strange happened. The very next day, like literally the next day, I got a call back from four recruiters telling me that they love my resume, that they were very impressed, and they'd like me to come in for an interview ASAP. And I posted that story on LinkedIn because it was was real to me, first of all, and I wanted to spread the message, but I had no idea I was gonna get a reaction. Um, And it did, it got a very, very big reaction. It ended up getting something like I think 140,000 views and a couple of thousand likes and a lot of people resonated with it. Now, I'm not a diversity um, you know, professional. I haven't studied diversity. I'm not in, in, in human resources, but I'm someone that's experienced um, a lack of diversity. Um, growing up um, in the workforce, I'm very passionate about it and I'd love to see people embracing their differences and celebrating their differences and so now that i have a a platform um, even if it's a little one to be able to talk about the beauty of of diversity and how beautiful it can be um i want to talk about that message and we can talk about it with real life stories funny stories they don't have to be serious but just to have people understand what the beauty of diversity
0: is that's true and uh last year i ran a series of interviews Called valuable diversity, and that's actually the hashtag that it can be found by. So I truly resonate to what you're saying, and just to learn how, how what a higher degree of discrimination that was just because of your name, that is alarming, unfortunately, and is very sad you know because i i presume that you you didn't change anything on the resume except the name right so you sent the uh, exact same resume with the exact same phrases skill sets history and everything right it
1: was it was literally exactly the same except for the name but and it- and what what was interesting was i <laughs> i decided to go for for an interview so i met with one of the recruitment agents who mm-hmm. was very excited to then send me to um, you know, this, this, this business. Um, and I went through a very long interview process. Um, and, you know, once, once they actually see me face to face and they hear the way I talk, because I talk like I'm, I'm Westernized and you know, I've got a, a very, you know, a very solid Australian accent. They don't usually have an issue. But once I got to the final stage of the interview with the actual company, um, I didn't know at what point I should tell them, that my name was actually Ahmed yeah <laughs> you know, throughout the whole interview process I was Adam Smith <clears throat> and it was it was the weirdest thing because I had no idea at what stage I should actually tell them and fess right. up that my my name isn't actually Adam Smith and I decided to do it in a final interview and in the final interview I spoke to them and I said um, you know I, I told them why I did it and my reasons for doing it mm-hmm. um, and I, I did it in the only way I knew how and that was just to be completely upfront and honest with him. And they were shocked. I mean, they were absolutely shocked and they were shocked because they could care less about it. And what I realized was the recruiter actually made an assumption. So it's, it's not like the company didn't want diversity. In fact, they did because mm-hmm. they had a serious lack of diversity. The recruiter saw the company and Assumed because most of the people in the business were, were white and male that they wanted someone else that was white and male and so In, in the video I spoke about how we all have an unconscious bias um, in different capacities and, and we all make assumptions based on an unconscious bias, but assumptions can be seriously dangerous, you know, and they can be dangerous because they can lead us to make incorrect decisions Um, And so I didn't use the word racism um, because I I feel like racism is a very strong word, but bias and unconscious bias, I think, is something that we need to be very mindful of.
0: For sure we do. And I I definitely agree with you on the bias thing and the assumption because I can tell you from personal experience that unfortunately I have faced this um, assumption thing on a personal level very very strongly and it's so wrong to just go out there assuming that you already know what the people think that you think you know or yeah. to just to just imagine as as the recruiter did to just imagine you know that the company needed someone that was precisely the same i mean there was a lack of communication too in there right
1: yeah, absolutely. And it comes down to communication. I mean, it's important for companies, um, hiring managers and companies to have very upfront, honest conversations with the recruiters about exactly what they want, because you can't assume that the recruiter understands what you want either. Um, and if that means talking specifically about the fact that you don't care if the person a certain race or you don't care if it's a male or female, or if they have a disability or, or what their gender is, um, but those conversations aren't usually had. And so what happens is the recruiter is then left to make these assumptions themselves and they do usually end up being incorrect. And right. the danger there is, I mean, what happens if they make an assumption that the business doesn't want any females because they just see males there, you miss out on the benefit that, that females can add to the workforce. What if they assume that um, they don't want anyone that has a disability because there's no ramps you know, leading into the doorway, you know, or they assume that the business doesn't want anyone old. Because they um, you know, they make an assumption that old people can't use technology or they won't be able to use their email. You know, that means you're eliminating so many different diverse groups that can come right. to your business with so many different perspectives that you end up missing out on. Um, so when it comes to recruitment, it's especially important.
0: That's true. Wow. You pushed a few buttons really really well. So I'm I'm really, really appreciative <laughs> for that. Because the this is this is really, really a message that people need to learn, need to hear, you know, from from all angles, not just recruiters, but also, I think that from um, um, from a job seeker's perspective as well, because I'm sure that there are a lot of job seekers that are afraid to apply for such, certain jobs out of the fear of being judged, discriminated, and you know. In the end, not accepted for who they are, just like you experienced, you know, but that's your experience brings up another deficiency. You know, Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that the recruiter that read your resume under Adam, Adam Smith did that under Ahmed Imam, you know, so I'm not sure that the first time you sent the resume, it was actually read. That's my Yeah, point.
1: And, that's, and that's the scary part about it. Um, so it leads you to think, how does it actually work? And, and when I posted that video, there, were, there was a number of comments there. Um, and in the video, I asked for comments from recruiters, from hiring managers, from people that have experienced it. Mm-hmm. Um, and recruiters came forward and they said that they admitted, and look, this doesn't happen in all the cases, of course, but even if it happens in some, it's a little bit scary, but right. they admitted that because because they get so many resumes every single day, they could get you know, 40, 50, 60 resumes per day that they, they don't have time to go through each one and so they need to develop some filtering processes. And sometimes some of the way to filter those resumes is by the person's name. And that's where the assumptions can come from. You know, Little do they know that, um, I'm, you know, university educated, I've got many years of experience, I'm, I'm well-spoken and articulate, you know, all of that goes out the window when you make that assumption initially right. just based on a name on a resume, which is which really scary and disappointing.
0: That's correct. Disappointing indeed. Right. And here it comes with, with human expectations, right? And that's why we get disappointed. Um, so how, how do you deal with expectations?
1: Um, I try to manage it correctly um, and have realistic expectations. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think uh, approaching situations like this, it also comes down to your mindset. You can either approach a situation and be completely um, broken by it, um, lose your confidence, um, and then be angry um, towards the world and towards other people. and, And that's not going to do any good, You know how I've come out of the situation, and believe me, I've been, you know, I've been bullied throughout my childhood in school for being different. You know, I've experienced it in the workforce. Um, is just be confident, you know, be confident in who you are. You know, I'm I'm not gonna be forced to change my name. I'm gonna use my name. I'm gonna be proud of it. And I want other people to use my name also. I'm gonna be proud of who I am and where I'm from and talk to other people about it openly and confidently. And you'll find, and what I've found is that the more confident you are about it, and the more people see that it doesn't actually impact you at all. Um, They then aren't bothered by it as much. Um, So to answer your question, I I manage the expectations realistically, but I also approach it with the right mindset.
0: That's awesome. And going going to mindset, what is it that keeps your mindset sane? How do you manage in a day, during a day, to keep your mindset healthy, because we all have issues, we all have you know, ups and downs throughout our lives, and I want to learn your secret about how you do it.
1: Um, I have, look, I have my on and off days, just like everyone else. You know, I, right. I don't wake up every single day and feel amazing. I don't. Um, but what I do know, what I do know now, is that when I'm not feeling the best. I don't dwell on it. You know, I don't allow myself to feel bad for too long. And and what I've done there is I've just trained myself to recognize when I'm starting to go uh, into that area. And I imagine pressing a light switch and just flicking that feeling off almost instantly. Um, and that way I don't dwell on it. I don't overthink it. I don't allow myself to get into a dark place, which can, Obviously, um, you know, disrupt not only productivity, but, but me. Um, that combined with a few other habits I've formed, like a, a good morning routine, uh, you know, involving meditation and involving putting myself in the right mindset prior to even speaking to anybody for the day. Mm-hmm. Um, especially works if you wake up on the wrong side of the bed. <laughs> but my, mindset is something that you have to work on every single day, you know, and it's True. not something that you just have. And and you're born with it. It's like going to the gym. You just have to go every single day or every other day, constantly practice it and reinforce it, um, because it's a muscle like anything else.
0: Right, right. And you just and you just um, told us, you know, the the practice that helps you do that, right, is is meditation in the first place in the morning. So yeah, yeah. That's that's a great thing. But did you? when did you start to meditate? I mean, um, I'm sure that you've been going through many years now of meditation, but, um, you know, as we are not being taught, there comes a moment for each of us to start doing that. So when was the turning point for you to, to start doing that?
1: Um, probably when my uh, daughter was born, my three-year-old daughter was born and it was done out of necessity. Mm -hmm. Um, probably because I didn't, uh, prepare myself enough for, for what to expect when she was born. You know, everyone tells you it's not easy. Um, and then you actually experience it and you start thinking, I can't believe everybody has children. This is just incredible. (laughs) This is, this is insane. I remember for the first couple of weeks, you just, you don't sleep. You're, you're changing diapers. You know, you're trying to have a nap in between their naps. Um, And I resorted to meditation to put myself in the right frame of mind so I can actually approach the day correctly. Um, But it wasn't easy. So I started off, you know, five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and and then you kind of build it up over time. Mm -hmm. And then you start to form a habit, and you realize that you actually need to do it to, to put yourself in the right mindset.
0: Right, right. And a link to your daughter. I think that that Christmas video that you put out around Christmas time uh, explained in the first place, how you adopted Christmas because or due to your daughter, right? And due to what she was being exposed as a child. So do you want to tell us a bit about that video? Yeah,
1: sure, sure. So I wanted to put out a video um, for Christmas that really summarized how I approach Christmas these days. Um, And look, as a, as a Muslim um, and re- being raised a Muslim, um, you don't typically celebrate Christmas. You know what we celebrate is you know, what we consider the equivalent of Christmas to be, and that's that's the Eid. Um, and the Eid is is celebrated um, almost in the same way. You know, you, you bring the family together and, and you, um, you know, you enjoy um, you enjoy togetherness. You know, you enjoy bringing everyone together and just enjoying the moment. But you never typically celebrated Christmas and. I have a diverse family, which is, you know, another reason that I, I talk about diversity so much because I actually live and breathe it. So I've, I've got an I've got an Australian wife, a beautiful Australian wife. I've got a fifteen-year-old um, stepdaughter, mm-hmm. um, and, and red redhead and, and freckles. And I've got a three-year-old daughter that is half Egyptian and half Australian. Now, and so my wife and I decided that the best way to approach this, considering she's, you know, she's almost got bits of both cultures and and races and religions Mm -hmm. is to celebrate both, you know, to celebrate Eid and celebrate Christmas. Um, And for the first two years, she's three now, the first two years, I mean, we put Christmas on, but she was a bit too young to actually appreciate it. But this last year it was completely different. You know, she, she was now old enough to be able to appreciate Christmas and understand it for what it was and I've never seen anybody as excited as she was you know you know she was singing the Christmas carols and she absolutely loves Santa we took her to the mall a few times and she almost lost her mind um (laughs) you know she she was talking about it for about three or four months prior to Christmas actually happening and really excited about the presents and everything else and so I just wanted to in the video talk about the misconception that, you know, Muslims don't celebrate Christmas. Um and and the title of of the um of the video was Do I Celebrate Christmas? You know, so yeah. I was being a little bit facetious um with with the title itself, knowing that people would obviously make that judgment. Um yeah. and, and and in the video I said, yes, I do celebrate Christmas. In fact I said, Hell yes, I celebrate yeah. Christmas. And I love <laughs> <Exactly>. it because <laughs> that's
0: that's where I wanted to to bring you because I love that particular Uh, piece of the video because there were there was so much openness in that hell yeah I do you know so it wasn't (laughs) just just the way that you said it but to me at least uh, it was that feeling of openness that was transmitted you know so Yeah. yeah
1: yeah and and another part of the video that I wanted to express was my personal view on Christmas and that is just watching my daughter enjoy Christmas and and experience the spirit of Christmas and the beauty of Christmas made me so excited about Christmas myself. Um, And because I didn't experience it as a child, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I kind of had this inner child in me so excited about Christmas and the tree and the presents and and giving presents and receiving presents. And it was just, it was seriously cool. Um, And so it's something that we're going to continue to celebrate and continue to enjoy. and, And again, it's breaking that misconception. Um, sometimes you celebrate things culturally sometimes you celebrate things because they just um, are right and it and means right to you mm-hmm. um, and, and we don't have to be black and white all the time
0: We all know how hard it is to grow, right? Especially if we are in the first month or years of our journey of our business, startup or we're coaching or we're writing. And we want to spread the word about us. We all know that it is pretty difficult to get the word out there, but that's exactly where I come in. I want to host an ad about your business into my podcast, Impact by Choice. So look me up on LinkedIn, Andrada Anite. I would love to work with you further on, and I would love to help you boost the visibility of your brand. Get ready for the free global app that works
1: for you. Work App is set to revolutionise the way people connect in their personal and professional lives. Finally, there's a one-stop shop to help you post jobs or gain employment. Would you like your very own digital shop without any fees or charges? A global messaging service, and you can also post all types of events and courses, and you can buy, sell, or rent any items you wish WorkApp is a global platform that helps you find what you need when you need it without
0: any costs or delays so sign up for this exciting new service today WorkApp works for you let me tell you about a new show that i came across lately it's called one nation radio and is that kind of show that simply unites the entire world through the voice of the host So just go ahead, give it a listen, and support John Gora, who is a new podcaster and will definitely appreciate it. (laughs) What was your reaction when you first saw your child opening her first gift on Christmas Day? How was it? I think that it was surreal, right? Especially because you said um, that you she, also had that inner child inside you. So I think you, you kind of, you know, enjoyed all that together.
1: Um, yeah, I always live with my inner child. And the inner child probably comes out, you know, more often than it should. But um, when my daughter opens up her gift on Christmas, she squealed. I mean, she literally squealed. And I've never seen her that excited in my life. Um. And you realize how important the magic of Christmas is. It is actually magical. Um, and I'm not going to have my children miss out on that magic. Just because, um, you know, the the religion specifies something or culture specifies something, we're able to be diverse enough now where we can experience the beauty of different cultures and embrace it. Mm-hmm. And so that, that was the main message of um, the video and, um, what was beautiful was seeing all, all the comments um, attached to it as well, where I um, had people of many different races and religions all coming together and saying, um, you know, Merry Christmas. I'm I'm really happy for your family, and you know, we enjoy Christmas for the same reasons. Yes, it's magical. It brings everyone together. Right. Um, so it was it was a great send off for the year, I think.
0: Right, and and I'm sure that it, the. That feeling was actually something that you couldn't express in words, right? Because that kind of feelings are, are pretty hard to get described. They, you just feel that It
1: is. Yeah, it is. You're right. You, you just absolutely feel them. And it's, it's difficult to put into words. But um, oh, it, was, it was such a good moment. Um, and um, I, I'm very excited by Christmas, personally. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I seriously am excited about it and I look forward to it.
0: That's great. Uh, you mentioned at some point that you let your inner child play more than you should. Why is it mm. that you're saying that more than you should? I mean, why should we just keep it on mute instead of letting it play?
1: Yeah, very good point. And something I'm actually very very passionate about. So I've always been um, I've always been a type that doesn't take life too seriously. I mean, obviously there's moments in life that we have to take seriously. You know, we all work, we're all professional. Um, But as soon as I'm able to be um, a little bit loose and allow my inner child to, to, you know, reach out, it does. (laughs) And it usually stays out until I get back to work. Um, And that's me. That's me being authentic. That's me being real to myself, but we're also conditioned throughout our lives to not to let our inner child out, you know, we're, we're conditioned at some point either during school or after school to be professional and to be adults. And, and this is the way that adults should behave. And, you know, you're not supposed to say this, you're not supposed to say that. And when you look at a child and the way a child behaves with absolutely no inhibitions, you know, where they can enjoy themselves doing everything and, and they don't watch what they say, they don't watch what they do. They're actually being free. um, I don't see why we can't do that as adults, and I'd love to see us do do that as adults, and it'd be a different world if we did. Exactly,
0: exactly. And, you know, um, I've seen some, I think some posts, or I read some articles at some point, um, about companies that actually plan to bring that inner child back. You know, by, wow. by, offering, by offering their employees uh, this kind of, of breaks where they can play ball or, I don't know, uh, sit in a swing for, for a bit. I think that would actually bring real benefit to companies, you know, if that actually happened. And because, <laughs> because employees would go, would have some fun for, I don't know, 10 to 20 minutes or half an hour or something. And they would yeah. return fully energized and they wouldn't be so frustrated because they need to keep so professional that they need to keep yeah. mouth shut <laughs> and stuff like that, you know? It's, because- it's,
1: it's the need to be so professional that does stress people out. And, and not least, I think it'll be brilliant for culture. And I'll give you an example. Mm-hmm. I, I dropped my, my daughter off to daycare, my three-year-old daughter. and. I keep talking about it because I'm obsessed with her at the moment. But I, <laughs> I, dropped, I dropped her off at daycare the other day. And at the time, there was just um, one other little boy there. And, and she'd never met him before, never even spoken to him. But she walked up to him and said, um, Daddy, I'm going to play with my friend now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Had how never cool met is this that? Person. And that's how a child looks at life. You now, Can you imagine as adults? If we just walked up to someone on the street and said, you know, I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna play with you now. Let's just let's just go grab a coffee. They'd look at you strange and they'd probably walk away. But why 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 shouldn't we be able to do that? Yeah. No inhibitions.
0: Precisely, but unfortunately as as adults, we're being taught to be skeptical the whole time about all the people around us, and that's so sad, yeah. seriously. I mean, whenever you hear someone that trust people from the first interaction just because it's their way of being um subconsciously a certain category of people labels these people as stupid or naive yes i mean seriously why do we need to put all those labels on on someone's back instead of Mm. trying to understand why that that very person you know chooses to trust someone from from the first interaction I mean, to me, I'm that kind of person that trusts everyone from the first interaction and then, you know, if necessary, cuts, cuts off the trust on the way. But yes. that's how I see a genuine interaction happening, you know? As if for, for the two of us, we never spoken before. We, never, we yes. just barely interacted in comments on LinkedIn or messages yes. or stuff like that. But this is actually our first offline interaction. But how yeah, yeah. interesting that is, you know, to just be able to mm-hmm. talk to someone so openly and mm-hmm. to, don't, to not feel this kind of restraint, restraint of, oh, my God, what will that person think of me? Or yes. I should think differently about that person. Or I should be afraid of touching several, I don't know, certain points or subject or something. But that's yeah. no real conversation now, is it? It's not, and it becomes more and more
1: fabricated you know, the more restrictions you put on that. Um, and I'm a big believer, um, as are you, in just being authentic, in just being real. Um, people are going to hate you regardless, you know. so you might as well just be yourself, right? Right. Um, and I, th- I think that's the only way to be. Um, and, and if people like what you do for you being yourself, then you know they're part of your tribe. You know, if if they don't like what you do, then, you know, the door's right there. Right. (laughs) You know, don't don't hurt yourself on the way out. Um, And it's really that simple. Not everyone in life is going to like you. Um, In fact, there are going to be people that absolutely despise you for doing absolutely nothing. You haven't done anything to them, but they're just going to dislike you. And so it's important to just embrace who you are and speak your truth um, and just shout it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's, it's actually not something that I've done my entire life, to be quite honest with you. And I, I didn't always have the confidence that I did, that I do now back then, um, you know, because I had a pretty rough childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, I became um, a little bit, you know, isolated and um, I was a little bit um, afraid to be myself just out of, um, um, you know, just out of not being able to conform. But as you get older and you start to embrace yourself more and more and you build on that confidence, you realize, God, it's such a beautiful thing to just be able to be yourself completely and have no inhibitions about what other people think of you or or, or what what they say about you. Um, And right now, I live with the fact that what other people say about me is actually none of my business you know, that's, that's their business. They can say what they want. I'm going to just be me and they can be them.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's powerful. Um, I wanted to say something else, but I lost it on the way. (laughs) However, (laughs) uh, probably because, because of the question that I want to stuck to, to stick to and to address it. Um, Mm -hmm. so I don't want to lose it. So considering your tough times during childhood and the strength that you have right now. You, yes. you know, the confidence that you have right now, that you managed to build it for yourself, and probably with the help of a lot of dear people around you. Um, yeah. How would you help your child to be confident and not look for that validation from society and, you know, try to bring her up or them, uh, to bring them up, you know, in such a manner, so they become self-aware, confident, uh, but still kind to the others at the same time?
1: Um, I would probably tell them a few things. I would say, first of all, don't sweat the small stuff. Um, and, And I think I think a lot of the time, and we even do it as adults, we, we sweat the small stuff. We start mm-hmm. thinking about little things that happen and we blow them up into big things. Right. And as you blow, as you blow them up, um, you know, throughout that process, you lose confidence, you lose your drive, you lose your motivation. Um, and I did a lot of that as a child. I allowed what people said um, to be a part of me. Um, and they're just I'm opinions. T- right. Yeah. Right. And they're just opinions. Um, and we can't take them as gospel. Um, so I would tell them don't sweat the small stuff. You know, if, if it's not going to matter in five years, don't spend more than five minutes thinking about it. Right. And the other thing I would tell my younger self, um, if I had the opportunity to meet them is to just surround myself with the right people and reach out to the right mentors as early as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's another thing that I did wrong uh, because of my lack of self-esteem. I also hung around the wrong people. Right. Um, and that, that was a reflection of me and my confidence at the time. Um, and you don't realize um, how negative that can be until you're out of that negativity. And uh, I think those, those bits of advice would have helped me back then.
0: Right. And and if they asked you how to identify a good me- mentor or not necessarily a good mentor, but the mentor for them. How would you advise? Yeah, yeah. And, and look, look, I, for, look for what in a mentor? I,
1: I think you can have many mentors and you don't just have to have one. Right. Uh, for example, you can, have a, you can have a career mentor, someone you just really admire that is well and truly down the path that you want to be on in your career. Um, mm-hmm. Someone that has been there, someone that has done it, someone that has really made the mistakes and learned from those mistakes. Um, they can be your career mentor. You can have a mentor that is just um, there to help you with your, with your health. For example, a personal trainer, they're essentially a mentor. Mm -hmm. Um, I've got a few mentors, one in career, one for health. I've also got a mentor that is simply just an older gentleman that has been married for 45 years. Um, And I have him as a mentor because he teaches me how to um, be happy in marriage um, Mm -hmm. and some tips for marriage. Um, And I, I think that's, very important to have a number of people around you that are just wise and can provide guidance in different areas. They also have to have similar personal values to you. You Mm. know, think about what your personal values are and are you a kind hearted person? Is that what you admire in other people make sure your mentor is kind um, and make sure they actually practice what they preach. So finding a mentor is important, but what's more important is uh, approaching a mentor early on in a piece, so that they can provide guidance to you and help help you avoid making any costly mistakes throughout life.
0: Right. However, we still need to make a few mistakes; otherwise, we cannot grow, can we?
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And they're not going to help you avoid making all mistakes. Right. Um, my problem throughout life has been the fact that I'm very stubborn and I like making my own mistakes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if I could learn from other people's adversity, I would have been far far ahead of where I am now. But that's not me.
0: Yeah, so you've always chosen the hard way, right?
1: Yes, always.
0: <laughs> me too. <laughs> of us. I always say yeah. that if I had a, an easy life, I would have complicated it myself. So <laughs> <laughs>
1: I like that. Yeah, very true.
0: Yeah. Um one more thing that I want to ask you. By the way, just like Colombo that we spoke about before the call, just one more thing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um you, I just saw the latest video that you put out and yeah, right. The latest video was precisely with Colombo. And that's what, yeah. how we identify the fact that we actually have a very strong passion for our childhood TV series in common. Um, yeah. But about that video, what what drew me precisely to to see that video and watch it until the end was the fact that you were talking about um, how to let other people actually speak their minds and not always act like you are the expert. Yes. So can you share a bit in, in here as well about that concept, about, um, about that video and about Colombo? Yeah, sure.
1: You've got to love Colombo. Yeah. So in, in the video, I spoke about negotiation and, and a negotiation tip that has helped me um, quite a lot um, has been to not approach a negotiation, you know, being the smartest person in the room. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of the times, you know, we approach negotiation and a lot of things in life with a big ego, um, you know, with a lot of testosterone, you know, trying to prove a point. But at the end of the day, if you want to get a good result and you want some information, and you want to build relationships, you need to be Asking the right questions and essentially actively listening. Mm-hmm. You know, so in, in the video, I said the best way to approach negotiation is not to be smart, but to actually play dumb. You know, and and that led me to the point of Columbo. You know, Columbo the murder detective. Mm-hmm. And you and I spoke briefly before this, and you know we both have a, um, you know, we're both fans of Columbo. Right. <laughs> <It> both <laughs> it both brings up good memories from our childhood. Yeah. And Columbo was a murder detective who who played dumb um, and was successful because he was able to get all this information out of people um, and then be able to make an informed decision. Um, so it's, it's all about allowing the other person to speak, um, actively listen, um, and then make a decision um, after the fact.
0: Mm-hmm. That's brilliant. And that's actually a, a very good business tra- strategy if, I'm, if I understand it correctly, right? if you, you mentioned oh, absolutely. and but I think that we can apply that in, in everyday life too. I mean when it comes yep. to active listening, there's no field that it cannot be applied into, right?
1: Oh one hundred percent. And look we're negotiating all the time. You know negotiation isn't just, you know, you're buying a car and you gotta negotiate the price. Every single day we're we're negotiating traffic. We're negotiating with our partners, our husbands, and the wives. You know, who's going to take down the trash? Who's going to do the dishes? Um, All the time we're negotiating. Um, Now, I'm not suggesting you play dumb in front of your partner, that (laughs) might get you into trouble. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, just the concept of actively listening, you know, listening to what the other person is actually trying to say, what their motivations are, what their aspirations are, you know, what their restrictions are, uh, and then making decisions based on that. Because I think a lot of the time we talk, and even when the other person is talking, we're waiting for um, our time to speak instead of actually listening.
0: Right, right. And again, just like Colombo, one more thing. <laughs> I want to ask you this because you brought up marriage and you brought up you know, that negotiation happens during every day, you know, even in marriage.
1: Yeah.
0: And previously, a bit earlier, you mentioned ego. So my question goes towards this: How do you negotiate your own ego within your marriage? Because we know that ego, most of yes. the times, is actually the most destructive part, right? Because we give Our in to it is... too much, maybe.
1: Yeah, ego is a ego is a killer. Um, <laughs> I can't think of a, a situation. I, I really can't. I can't think of a situation where anybody approached a decision with ego and ended up with a good outcome or a good, good result. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also takes time and practice to put ego completely aside. It's not easy. And look, I'm, I'm guilty of that to a certain extent and only due to lots of practice now that I can I can approach things without any ego. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's interesting, I was talking to someone about about this topic the other day and it actually evolved into – the topic of, of toxic masculinity, um, which is a whole different discussion Mm -hmm. (laughs) as a a whole. Um, but toxic masculinity essentially stems from ego and, you know, expecting people to stroke your ego and that doesn't lead to anything positive. Um, but putting ego aside and usually emotion aside and being able to make practical decisions, especially in, in, in a marriage, um, God, it just it just gets you so much further and actually allows you to connect with someone.
0: Right. Right. Well, what I can say that that was one impactful um answer. That will make me think for Thank a you. long time from now, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um oh, and one more thing. <laughs> i promise is there is the last just just one more thing (laughs) yeah yeah um i promise is the last thing so you have made a choice to use your ego less but what about people who uh don't know that they actually have a right to make choices you know there's there's All these afraid people out there in the world who think that they should just follow the others to be safe, Um, making a choice by by themselves is just, you know, too risky. What would that, what would be your advice to them?
1: Um, I I think there's definitely a way to approach those situations with with confidence as opposed to, to ego. And if I'm to answer that question, I have a, 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 a final message, so to speak. It's mm-hmm. um, you have to embrace who you are. You know, everybody, every single person as an individual is unique. And what makes us all beautiful is our uniqueness. And what's, what's interesting is that when you think about animals um, and, and how diverse animals are, um, you know, we've got different animal species, we've got different plants, um, and you never, you never see much conflict there. Um, but humans are the only race that actually have an issue with people being different or things being different. Um, and I don't know why that is, and it could probably stem from fear. Um, but love wins over fear every time, um, and, and, and it really does. And and my message is just let's let's understand our differences. So let's talk about it. I want us to actively talk about it, and let's understand it. Let's embrace our differences and start to celebrate it. You know, because diversity is a beautiful thing. It and is. I think if we focus on more love over fear, uh, we're going to get far more ahead in life and 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 in, you know, in in the world that we live in.
0: That's so beautiful. Seriously, I mean. That's a great ending message and that was actually the purpose behind my last question so that I leave the listeners with, um, with a final message from you, with a, a powerful you know, message that you have to send out to them. Um, if someone wants to reach out to you, Ahmed, where, yeah. where should they go first and um, what are you open to when, when someone reaches out to you?
1: Sure. Um, look, I'm very active on LinkedIn. So feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm um, at Imam. You can send me a, a private message. Happy to have a chat. Mm-hmm. And I do make an effort of responding to every single private message. <laughs> um, otherwise, um, you can reach out to me at my business, um, and we can have a chat there. What I'm open to, um, I'm open to just having um, honest, real, authentic conversations Mentoring. Um, I'm all about mentoring, but I'm also forever a student. So I'm happy to learn from other people, and I want to learn from other people as well. Uh, But let's just um, reach out to each other. Let's be kind to each other, respectful to each other, um, and learn from each other as well.
0: Thank you for accepting to be my guest for today, Ahmed. It's been a great chat with a lot of important topics. And I wish you abundant times ahead. Thank you again.
1: It's been my absolute pleasure. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you for reaching the end of this episode. I wish you an amazing day ahead. And please don't forget, smile at life and life will smile right back at you.